because creativity is about combination. And then if you don't combine unexpected things, it's not going to be unique. Everybody, welcome back to Creative How, the podcast for curious creatives. Sean, I have to say they're all really special episodes, but this one is particularly special. We've got a real-life guitar hero for you. He started a band called Angra, which has become internationally famous, and most recently has won a Grammy with Megadeth. Maybe you've heard of him. This is Kiko Larrero. Enjoy the ride. All right, Jed, welcome to a guy that... Um, I've been excited about talking to for a long, long time and um, probably not first and foremost because of his guitar prowess, but just as a creative, as a just a an intelligent guy that just approaches his whole craft from a, like a 360 degree view. Yeah, this is great. And uh, Kiko, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks, man. Well, let's, let's start from the beginning, man. Um, yeah. So... We know, um, obviously, you're from Brazil, but can you just give us a background on sort of um, your upbringing, where you grew up, and maybe even some of your crea creative influences early on? So, yeah, I was born in Rio, grew up in Sao Paulo, big city, uh, huge city. So, uh, yeah, man, I started playing acoustic guitar when I was 11 years old, uh, just because my sister was, you know, there was a teacher was coming at home, and uh, one day my sister, she gave up. And then the, sis the teacher was there. So my mother said, hey, Kiko, you better, why don't you try as well? And then that's the way my, my career started, you know. So I was 11. Huh? You got hooked then. Yeah. So then I, you know, I loved. And I learned my first chords and then the first classical pieces. You know, acoustic guitar in Brazil... It's always like nylon strings, classical guitar. You know, that's our tradition there. Not much, you know, the steel string kind of a singer-songwriter kind of thing, but it's more like classical. And, uh, yeah, so 11, uh, 12 years old, 13 years old, and then I started to listen to metal. I think we had, we had um, in 84, I was 12, Kiss went to Brazil. So it was a big thing on the news. And then in 85, uh, Rock in Rio, the first Rock in Rio was a huge thing for, for Brazil and for me, of course. Uh, we had in the same week, in the same festival, uh, Iron Maiden, Whitesnake, Queen, uh, Yes, ACDC, Ozzy Osbourne, Scorpions, uh, George Benson, James Taylor, you know, all, all there. Uh, every night in, wow. on TV, I could see uh, those uh, live uh, footage and it was just mesmerizing for me. It was amazing. And then they were like covering the whole, you know, the artists in, in Copacabana Beach, at the hotels, at swimming pool. It was like this magic thing, you know. And I was uh, 13, you know, playing my acoustic guitar. And right. of course, by then I wanted to play a left electric uh, guitar yeah how did, so, how did that transition go from acoustic well, actually, to electric so yeah uh, you know i was listening at my school 
we had a library, so I could get some vinyls from the library. So I was listening, discovering rock through those vinyls. Uh, old stuff, like 70s stuff, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Pink Floyd, you name it. I was just getting the vinyls every week and discovering uh, the bands in... The bands that I like it, I was, you know, recording on tape. Uh, that's that's what you used to do back then, right? Oh, we remember. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so so basically, and but I was also reading because we didn't have any really videos, right? Uh, I didn't have, and it was I was very young, like 13, so I couldn't go to sh concerts, and actually we didn't have. <laughs> concerts from you know american bands or big concerts so i was read i was just reading the magazines you know uh the magazines were talking about the big festivals in europe you know or here in america and uh, i remember doing i was trying my mother one wanted me to go to a, that specific school and i had to do a test so uh to get um to be approved to that school when I was uh, around 13. And I did the test. I wrote uh, a composition uh, talking about those festivals, those metal bands, and then, you know, like Ozzy Osbourne uh, eating a bat on stage, right. uh, the, the heavy guitars, and then, you know, whatever, the mud and the big festivals. And, of course, I was not approved. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, the school, the school teacher called my mother and told her, look, you have to, you have to send this kid to a psychologist because <laughs> he, he, he's not going to the right path. And actually, my mother finally bought me a guitar. You know, she didn't take me to a, a psychologist. Nice. So, Good for her. Uh, th yeah, <laughs> basically, that was the story because I was really like reading all the magazines. I was really into the bands, you know, right. uh, all the time, really all the time. It was my passion. And then I start, uh, I bought, you know, my mother bought like a, a copy of a Black SG, which is like the uh, Angus Young and Tomayomi from Black Sabbath, that model, you know, a copy, a copy of a Gibson SG. And then I start having uh, guitar lessons and it was just like heaven, wow. you know. For me, and, and then did you have uh, friends who were also getting into uh, you know electric guitar at that time too? Yes, yes. Like in the neighborhood, some other guys playing guitars or singing or playing drums. So everything kind of started, you know, going to to a garage and just trying to play together. It was horrible, probably, but you know, that's the way you learn. When did you figure out? I guess did, did the seed get planted that you were actually going to go all in on this in terms of as a career? Uh, to be a professional, oh, that took, I was, no, that was another story. Because then I was practicing 16, 17, 18, and then came the time, should I go to college or not? And uh, I was not sure about being a musician. This is, this was uh, like a very, it was a very hard decision. So I, I went, uh, I did the, in Brazil, you to get into the university to the free university is a very hard test, a lot of competition to get into it, to the free university, the best ones. And I did it, I did got it, I did got uh, into the biology university. Because Jesus. I was a bit, I was, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was, I, I, you know, my, my father is a biochemist and then uh, I always loved 
biology as well and chemistry, you know, all that. So I was playing guitar and I, I, I was also reading books about insects and animals and plants. <laughs> it was kind <laughs> of right. my, my passion as well, somehow. And, uh, and I thought biology was a safer, a safer way to go. You know, when you're 18, you're not sure what you want to do for, you know, uh, for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And I get, being a musician in Brazil, like playing in small bars, and that was kind of a, a difficult decision, you know. Um, so I, 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 I did a biology, biology university for almost two years. Yeah. And how, was, long, how long is university in Brazil? Just so this one would reference. be five, uh, five to six years. Okay. Okay. Biology. So you're about you know, a quarter kind of, of the way through. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. But uh, in the in the meantime, when I was uh, 18, I was already playing with some some friends and some small clubs in Sao Paulo, and I got uh, I I was invited to play a guitar as a sideman to a boys band, you know, just like NSYNC kind of right <laughs> kind of thing, to be like a sideman, but to a a, a big Brazilian uh, boys band. And uh, I accepted because it was just a way to get into the, to be a professional somehow, yeah. you know, they were, you know, paying the, the union's fee kind of thing. And then I was traveling in Brazil. So I did that for a year when I was maybe 19. So that was good. And also after I, I started playing kind of the same time, I played with an, a guy kind of a, like a Billy Idol kind of a rock guy. Uh, was cool, like I did a few months. So I, I got into the sideman. As a sideman, I was teaching guitar because some some friends was, they were they were asking me, "Oh, Kiko, can you teach me?" Because I was practicing practicing a lot and playing, you know, many hours a day. And so uh, it was a way to get some, you know, some extra cash to to buy a better guitar, to buy the strings, you know, things like this. Now, what, what kind uh, of music are you playing at this time? Are you are you calling yourself a metal guitarist at this point? I was really into metal. I was always listening to metal, but uh, I was also listening a lot, discovering all the guitar players. I mean, the guitar music, which is, it started from metal, but at that point, it was the shredders, kind of that we call the shredders, and also like Jeff Beck, and then I start going to the fusion a little bit, and then also the Brazilian music, because I was always, I always liked the Brazilian music as well, um, the traditional music, and the instrumental music, you know, the kind of the jazz, Brazilian jazz kind of thing. Uh, I was trying to go deep into music, like more sophisticated music to a certain point, but I was always, into metal, I was just trying to listen to the more complex and sophisticated metal, right? Not the, you know, the easier, simpler, you know, like a kiss, I would say, would be an example. Uh, I would go more to the progressive side, you know, because I was trying to find more challenging things right. for my practicing, for I was more interested in, uh, in on, you know, uh, progressive music. And then this took me to the jazz, to the classical, to the flamenco. I was always kind of uh, very open-minded to music, you know. Uh, this is something think... that, Kiko, sorry to interrupt, that we've found in some other interviews we've done with people in different disciplines. 
but a lot of them are sort of like what you'd call a renaissance man, meaning they might have a specialty, but they try to learn a lot about a lot of different parts of their discipline. So you're talking about lots of different guitarists and lots of different music genres. And um, I have to say, I, I, I think it's sort of uh, enlightening to hear somebody who's so specifically accomplished like you in terms of metal, but you must have taken influence from all of those different genres, correct? Uh Totally, totally correct. Yeah, and I think when you when you're passionate about something, you know, let's say you're passionate about martial arts, why not, you know, train and practice and discover and go deep into the different martial arts that you can find. So you're gonna be a very um, complete uh, fighter. Uh, and and the, in music, I think it's the same. But th that was very natural in a way. I think the Brazilian culture is so rich. You know, uh, there's so many uh, elements, not only the rhythms, but also the harmonies and the melodies. And uh, once you start discovering that, it's, there's, uh, you know, so many things to discover. And, and if you're passionate by, about music, why not go deep into it? The same goes for classical music, you know. Uh, the same goes if you start listening. I remember, like, my father gave me... Uh, a vinyl from Paco de Lucia, which is one of the greatest, I mean, the, the greatest uh, flamenco uh, player. And I've, I cannot play, you know, I'm not able to play flamenco, but I was listening and listening. And now I, if I want to get a flamenco vibe in my songs, you know, I know, you know, I have that, you right. know. And if I go to Spain, I want to go to those small, you know, gypsy clubs or whatever, just to have this feeling, you know, I know the culture a little bit. Uh, the same goes for, you know, for blues, you know, or, you know, or French music, or you know, as I said, different, different periods of classical music, or Astor Piazzolla from tango, or the different music you can find in Brazil. I think it's so important, so right. important. So to, on that point, because I think I love that you're taking all these influences and putting it into your craft. Is there a higher concept that you're thinking about? Like, is it a connection with the audience? Like, what do you hope they take away from your music when you put all these nuances in there? Uh, oh, well, the more you mix, the more special and unique is going to be your style. Because, I mean, if you're like into metal, let's say metal, and you just listen to metal, and you just copy, uh, like a read, you know, like copy what you listen and then you try to do your own stuff it's going to be very hard to come with something creative and new because creativity is about combination and then if you don't combine unexpected things it's not going to be unique and I know that the only way for me this was, it was later on in my career and I discovered that really traveling and connecting with the fans and uh, and trying to position uh, have a find my position my place among other guitar players the only thing it, i mean if i compare myself to americans or european guitar players the only thing i really know that they they don't know or they are not they're not brazilian <laughs> i'm sure right so they are, if I put Brazilian elements there in my metal music, 
the metal music, that's universal. I know a guy from Germany or California. We, can always, we all can play a Black Sabbath riff or ACDC or, you know. But if I bring an element from, you know, Amazon music, that I, I'm sure the German guy probably, he doesn't, you know, he's got to say, what is that? Yeah. Have you talked about that with um, musicians and guitarists from other countries like the German guy? He has polka or something like that, and you've got. Well, you know, when I do like a master classes and stuff, I always say that, and they they sometimes they come with that. Oh, but my music from my country is this boring. I said, like, come on, you like if you talk about Germany, we're talking about the greatest of the greatest composers in classical music, and they have a sound and they have something so special. Uh, or even if you have like Rammstein which is a metal band and so German, you know, it's so like hard and, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, it's so German. I, you right. When you listen to say like, oh, those guys Unmistakable, come. yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's what I'm talking about. So you go deep into, uh, if the, your culture is, you know, German, go, go hardcore on that, you know. And if your culture is uh, Brazilian, Latin, Caribbean, whatever, go hardcore on that, you know, just put a conga or percussion or or let this let those instruments inspire you and you can do all those grooves in a in a distorted guitar why not you know yeah so it's all about combination combining things and the same uh from i think any 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 person that wants to be creative you have to have uh different elements um yeah I, th I think that's so true. And I, part of what I really love about your solo music is, first of all, hearing you talk how conceptual and 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 um, kind of ways you think about your composing and the concepts of your albums. I even love the concert you did called White Balance, man, the the three channels. And because me, yeah, yeah. me being an art director and a guy that works on graphics, that hit a nerve with me. I'm like, man, this guy knows everything. Like, but um. So all those mixing of elements, I got to say, I really, really love. Um, I also love uh, the title of um, Sounds of Innocence because uh -huh. of, the, of the mantra behind that about, you know, trying to get back to that innocence where you were actually creating and exactly. just, just yeah. un, unbarred creativity without all the baggage of the industry and everything. So uh, I wanted to ask, like, I, I know you have a day job now, which is Megadeth, uh -huh. but, yeah. but are you still sort of doing your own thing on the side? Are you still writing and composing? Yeah, yeah. I've, actually, I, this is a, is a need. It's like, more, it's like you have to, you know, get an acoustic guitar or a piano and just sit down and uh, it's kind of, it's, a, it's a lot more like a, I feel like a meditation kind of thing. Right. You know, when you're like, have a connection with your intuition, right? So, I don't know if I'm going to use the ideas, but I love to sit down and just play something that I never played before. You know, just like it's very, medit it's a meditation for me. Can be the, normally I like to do that in the uh, acoustic instruments, a grand piano or an acoustic guitar. So it's kind of more natural. I don't know how to explain, but it's, it feels uh, the connection with the vibration of the instrument. And then you just play something. When and you then, do that, are you are you actually recording when you do that so that you don't possibly lose uh, something? 
not the entire thing, but I always have some kind of a device around, and a something I, if I feel it, that's a good idea. It feels good about it. I mean, I don't know if it's a good idea, but if I go, feels if I feel good about it, I just run and gra- get my phone or something. Then I I record. Yeah. Do you write and, music? Uh, Do you write sheet music at all, or? I could, but it, you know, with the devices like yeah, just record it's not necessary. press audio. I mean, for my my in my case, no. You know, if I if you, depending of your style, or if you want to show your music to other people, and writing would be a easier way to go. Could be, but not in the metal scene. <laughs> right. Rock scene is normally people like to just listen and learn and and play. Um, yeah. So you're talking about the white balance. The uh, you know the albums. I always try to think in a, a, a conceptual. Uh, beyond the music, right? So that uh, the White Balance was a show that I wanted to show, kind of the three sides, the metal yeah. as a red, as yeah. a red, you know, aggressive. Uh, I love this moment, moments that I'm playing acoustic, and uh, this meditation moment, as I, as I said, and it's kind of blue, is a is blue for me, like the synesthesia of things, uh, blue, and then the Brazilian side, green. Right, the Amazon green. So we have like the 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 three colors of the white balance, and I just and one day I just like man that and because every time I I've, when I do an album if I try to uh, come with a name, uh, I have a big a Brazilian audience. So I have to think it has to be international. It has mm-hmm. to be in English, but it has to be easy English. You know, mm-hmm. so white balance. Everybody kind of has. You know, maybe if you don't know what it is, you have a camera and yes. that is there, like white balance, you know? Yeah. And uh, so all the my albums, uh, it's always some, like even Sounds of Innocence, it's kind of easy English because it's Latin words. So it's, um, it's very similar to Portuguese or, or Spanish or French. So it's very easy. And the Sounds of Innocence is kind of the same, the same concept that you two years later they have an album now called yeah. Songs of Innocence. Oh yeah, I didn't mean uh, yeah. <laughs> but actually it's uh it's uh from William Blake. So William Blake has the songs of experience and songs of innocence. And I love the concept because after a while the experience probably is gonna destroy your creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know how it goes. Yep. You're you're worried about the fans, what they're gonna think. You know right. how the record companies or all the you know everything. You're gonna think, oh, I did that already. I don't know if it's good enough. You're gonna be like criticizing everything you're doing all the time. So you have to find a way to turn off this the the critic inside you, and just be the the little kid or the the first album feeling. I just gonna play and. You know, it doesn't matter. I got to tell you, know? you, man, like um, we came across that quote and, and you talking about it a couple of times. And, and I think I, it was like maybe two weeks ago for me, but I've been I've been thinking hard about that quote for the last two weeks just to frame it up for for what we do, you know, and, and getting back to when this was fun. And, you know, it wasn't just a job. It was it was you were doing it because you had another um, sort of drive to do just creative things and express yourself. So I, I love that concept. And I, one question I wanted to kind of go back now, I feel like, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about in other interviews, how 
it took a little while for you to get your confidence as a composer writer um, to lay stuff down. Can you talk a little bit about that when you actually, um, you know, decided to to move from just playing other people's riffs and things and, and started actually making your own music? Yeah, because the way, yes, totally. Because the way I learned uh, my instrument was always, you know, learning the, you know, the, the, the scores and then trying to learn riffs or solos from somebody else. And then I started a band and just trying to, to have a perfect technique. I was kind of the, you know, the nerd. I was, uh, I, the way I, tra- I listen a lot of, uh, I, I'm listening and read a lot of, uh, and I love to watch uh, sports just to get the mainly, uh, I, I love to watch the Olympics kind of thing and how they train and how they, they are so focused to that specific moment because I think music, it has something about that. And I, I always loved this quote unquote, a competitive side, but I mean, competitive to myself. I want to play better. I want to play faster. I want to, you know, just do this. Uh, so in the beginning, it was, it, for me, it was all about how can I play a better pedio or how can I play cleaner and faster and more complicated or whatever. And uh, composing is not totally related to that. You know, that's why uh, it took me uh, quite a while and to have the confidence to express my own ideas, you know, because before I was just, I was just uh, mimicking and repeating and playing music from other, other, other artists. But when I started uh, my first professional band, uh, Angra, in early 90s, and uh, was a group of guys, when you have a group of people, uh, I think it's easier, you feel more confident because you share, you know, somebody comes with idea and then you can uh, develop that idea or, you know, so or you can just play something and somebody else tells you, oh, this is great, you know. It's like the yeah. su- uh, sweet, sweet child of mine, I, you know, from Guns N' Roses. I think that was the what happened. You know, Slash was like just doing a, a, a arpeggio, you know, practicing some arpeggios, and I think Axl Rose pointed out and said, "Oh, this is amazing. Let's do a song out of that." And then when you're in a band, that's that happens a lot. Just kind of so snowballs, right? Yeah, just yeah. kind of. So you're just doing whatever that you always do. You're not confident enough to say, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to show everybody. You just play, and then somebody else has to come to you and point, oh, this is great. Let's do a song out of this, you know? I think Eruption from Van Halen, you know, the classical, you know, the classic uh, uh, tapping song that he did in the first album, Van Halen album. Uh, it was the same. This is the same story. I think the the producer saw him, you know, practicing and said, "Like, man, we have to, you know, have to put this on the album." That's you know? interesting. And then it, somebody else then, has to judge it before um, you. Because often... you're not be, because you're not able to judge yourself. You're too afraid to judge yourself, and it, and you're too hard on yourself. You think everybody you do sucks, you know? Right. So uh, uh, that's yeah. That's why when you have this innocence. And you play just a A major chord, 
and you think, you know what? A major chord is beautiful, and that's my song. It's one chord, and here it is, you know, right. <laughs> like this feeling. And uh, I feel good when I play A major chord, and I hope everybody likes you. And it doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be more complicated. And and then normally that's the best songs. That's the mindset you have to have when you're creating something, you know. And then uh, let the the critic inside you to come later, right? So you just put a bunch of ideas. Just record. Your phone is full of crap, you know. It's full of ideas throughout the the weeks and months. And one day, you just that's what I do. One day, you know, you just go and listen to all of them, you know, in an airplane or something. You're like, just like, okay, let me listen to the ideas. I'm like, oh, this is, I see. If you still have that feeling of freshness or something that's, oh, that inspires you, it doesn't need to be technical. It doesn't need to be special. Uh, I mean, like difficult or new or just to, you have to connect, to connect with you again. The same feeling that you had when you had the idea, if you have that again, I think it's the best uh, sign of this is a good idea. I would because if you make a song out of that idea, be sure you're gonna be playing that thing for the next five years or ten years. So you, you must be sure that's is something that connects to you. You know, <laughs> that's a, that's a good point. And also, I wanted to touch on. Um, you played all the instruments, save the drums on, on your compositions. So uh, my question is how, how did you move to master some of those other instruments off of the guitar? Like when did you piano, for example, how did, how did you move to that? Or when did you move to that? Well, the piano was uh, much later. I was uh, 28, 29 when I start having some piano lessons and I was very good. I, I wish I had, you know, started piano way before then I had a, and it helped me a lot for the confidence because suddenly I was playing another instrument and I didn't want to be the super uh, virtuoso on piano I was too old for that so piano I was playing piano like a guy just grabbed the acoustic guitar and just play something nice with you're not judging oh it's, it's not technical enough it's not fast enough I'm not ripping the, you know, like, you know, I just want to play a few chords. And if I'm able to play those few chords, that's cool. I'm happy. So that's the vibe in the piano. And then um, you see a lot of composers, you know, pop pop composers, they grab the acoustic guitar. They, they, they know those 10 chords and they write great songs <laughs> out of those, you know, 10 chords. But when you go too much into the technical aspect of the instrument and you want to be a virtuoso out of, of this instrument, then you are, you are like, you're not, it's difficult to go back and play those simple chords and feel good about it. I don't know how to explain that. But when you go to another instrument, now you're like, you're naked. You don't, you don't know anything. You're like, you're struggling to play a just simple major chord. And this, that helps a lot. You know, I don't know, like, if you can do that in other professions. I don't know, like, a, you know, a painter just start, you know, using another device to, to create something, you know, uh, that is difficult and it's only about your creativity. You know, it's like a child, you know, or here's some, you know, uh, glue and scissors and create something. 
and those magazines uh, create some something crazy, you know, crazy, you know, this kind of thing. So well, the it's piano like, helps it's like me you a lot. said, yeah, it's like you said, if, as long as you're approaching it where you're like, I'm not going to be a virtuoso, I just want to get, you know, proficient so I could create something on my own for me. Then I think yeah. it lowers the, it, it gives you more confidence and it lowers the, the personal judging. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's expectations. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it helped me a lot. Yeah, right. So, and then you have a little bit, you know, some skills on the piano. And then I compo- I composed a lot of stuff in the piano. A lot of guitar stuff, I start on the piano. So, you know, the different, uh, doing a, in a different element, you know. I don't know, like, let's say a sports guy, he's a, you know, a runner. And then he trains also in the swimming pool or, you know, go to the gym. You know, change the element, you know, the, your, your environment and see how you react. And probably going to, you know, use different muscles, different ways, you know, just run in the forest and all right or in a track field or, you know, change the environment. You're saying don't get comfortable. You're saying, yeah, you know, challenge yourself and, and avoid complacency. I think that's that's yeah. really cool. And, the, and it's going to help me a lot. And then, yeah. So and then when it came down to record the album, it was kind of a fun as well to do that. And of course, I I was able to play other instruments because we have technology. Right. I think uh, if it would be in the seventies, I would be for sure <laughs> asking somebody to play. But now have you can do multiple takes. You can choose the best parts of the takes. You know, when it comes like to to uh, playing bass, pl- playing bass is kind of similar to guitar. Somehow you can you know where the notes are and stuff like that, and. Uh, Percussion, I have some uh, skills in percussion, uh, so I tried. Uh, but of course, technology and the piano for sure. And then this at the studio, you always find a great piano. You know, if you go to a good studio, there was always a good piano there. And why not? You know, right. yep. why right. not use use it? Yeah. Even the Megadeth album, you know, pretty metal album. I there's a there's an outro of the song that I I'm playing piano. Oh, yeah. wow. Nice. So, Kiko, you talked a little bit about being competitive, and you were talking about actually being competitive with yourself and comparing yourself to or saying you're interested in Olympic athletes and how they train for that moment. And um, I'm wondering what, when you realize that you've gotten to that level, you know, when you realize that you've hit it hard in that moment. And, for example, you you have a Grammy. And so you won the highest award in your, in your field. Is that the moment that makes you feel amazing or is it other moments or both? I think it's different because a, a Grammy is not a gold medal. You know, it's a different thing. The, the a gold medal is like really like, okay, that's, you know, the best human being doing this, right. <laughs> this thing at that point in time. Uh, the Grammy is more like uh, the industry like recognizing that you're, you accomplished something great or uh, in, in the case of Megadeth, it's a combination of the new, I, I believe it's a combination of a, a great album. We did a great album, it was really successful. Uh, uh, it was great for us and for the fans. And you know, when you have a band that's over 30 years old, uh, of course, it's very hard to come with a new thing as, as a, a, a great thing because as we're saying about the experience in innocence, uh, after a while, 
a lot of bands, they try to repeat themselves or just to stay in a safe place. And then when a, like a traditional band from the 80s comes back and bring a new album that is it satisfies the fans the way they did in the 80s or the early 90s, this is like, that's huge, you know? Uh, so I think the Grammy is that, but also the whole Megadeth history, it counts too, you know? So, um, and they were nominated 12 times and never won, right, you know? Right. Well, hey man, so, take, take some credit for that. I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, everything we've been reading and, and, and from Dave himself, you know, he's crediting you for bringing some fresh approaches. So uh, kudos to you on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks, man. I think, uh, yeah, I think in in a way, yes, because it is important to. Yeah, I mean, a band a band is so sometimes it's difficult when you have. I believe, like, I I wonder, you know, how Rush or uh, U two, you know, bands there they are together like for forty years or something, you know, how they manage creativity and uh, you know this freshness, you know, okay, let's do something new now, you know. I think when you're a solo artist and you can see uh, uh, Bruno Mars or, or, or like any, you know, uh, pop artists, they, they can change. Madonna, yeah. you can, or I feel like, or, or Lady Gaga, I think I'm going to do a, a, an album with Tony Bennett and now I'm going right. to do a song with Metallica and now I'm going to do something pop, electronic, or now it's going to be acoustic. So, as a solo artist, you can change the environment and create something unique all the time. So it's a, a way to be, and you can even change your band. You change the whole band, like yeah. Ozzy. You know, Ozzy throughout the times, like always changing. It's almost like a boys band, you know, he's getting old, <laughs> but the band is always new, the new guys. So, uh, so it's always fresh, but a band that wants to be consistent with the lineup uh, is very hard and yeah. to be creative you know, because it's the same brains forever, you know. Um, so that's why I think the Megadeth uh, did uh, a, a great a great album because of that. And, I, you know, I've, because I've been playing for a long time too, you know, when I got to the studio, I had that in mind. How, what, what can I bring to the band without getting out of the concept of the band? Because I always understand... A band is more than the music. Any a product or anything like a brand is, is more than the product. Yep. It's something intangible, right? So a band is a concept. It's, it's an idea. It's so it's an idea, exactly. So I was like, okay, let me understand this idea and let, let me bring something to this inside this concept, inside this umbrella, but it's somehow interesting and fresh. So if I play an acoustic guitar, nylon, for my, you know, that's something that I love to do, but how I can do that sounding still Megadeth. If I play a piano that they never did, how can I do some chords that's very uh, dark and Megadeth-like, you know? Uh, and the same goes for the guitars and the solos and all that. And the, and the, the whole environment at the, at the studio because you have like two months of pure creativity that you have to come out with something. How do you find your spot there with a, the way you just described um, 
what you contribute, but literally when you're in the studio early on with that band in particular, like how do you manage um, showcasing all of your amazing skills while also obviously recognizing theirs? Very hard, very hard. So mainly because I joined the band like a week before I went to the studio. So this was hard because I believe now I know them way, way better because I did several tours. And when you tour, you get to know the person because, you know, you're like having breakfast, lunch, dinner, playing and spending time in the airport or tour buses, whatever. So you're really, uh, you know, spending 24 hours uh, with everybody. So you get to know the personalities, the, you know, the ideas, the everything. And you get to know the fans. And when you tour in different countries, you get to know the fans in different countries, how they react. So you understand better the whole concept. When you give an interview to a metal magazine or radio or podcast, you understand the expectations and everything. You understand the new, the Megadeth world, right? But I didn't have this chance. I just went straight to the studio and uh, it was hard. But the best thing you can do in those scenarios is just to... Uh, sit down and watch, you know, yeah, just yeah. watch and and uh, understand what's going on. I was listening, of course, to your whole catalog. Uh, no, n- try to understand the concept, not only to learn the songs. This is one thing. Uh, read everything on the internet, you know, watch the videos, watch the, the comments, uh, whatever, you know, uh, uh, I read the book, you know, the biography of the guys, you know, everything is part of the hmm. composition, you know, the creative process. This is not unlike how we approached you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> exactly. So try to understand the person and then it's going to be easier to understand the music that is coming from that person. And then it's going to be much easier to suggest something. Right. You know, and then... Uh, be uh, keep the creative environment, which is like never say you don't like that idea. You know that's like the a basic thing. You know, never say you can do like the Japanese do, like they never say no, but they suggest something on top. You know, right. so if somebody show you something, you say like, oh great, but what about this? You know, <laughs> you know. I love, I love that advice. I'm gonna so, try and start using that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's like if you say right, you know. I don't like that, or this is not good, or this is not gonna work. I mean, this person is not gonna give you a second, a second idea, right? Right. Because even if the, uh, you know, when you work in a band, you have like four or five guys, every idea counts. And then I remember, not with Megadeth, my, my previous band, we said like, every idea we're gonna play, we will play. Let's rehearse. And normally, what happens if the idea is not good? The composer of that idea is gonna say, "Oh, well, actually, this idea is not ready, yeah. or it's not good enough." You know, the person's gonna say, "Like now, if the person doesn't say it's not a good idea, maybe the band, after playing a little bit, can transform that idea into something cool." Right. Or if the idea really sucks, then you just, you know, we, we do that. We deal point. with that too. Like Sean and I, amongst ourselves, and even teams that we work with. Usually you're right. The person says, nah, this sucks. 
let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, that always because, makes you feel good because you don't have to say it and then you can keep moving. Yeah. And also because the the vibe with the you know of the team, if the idea is not great, the vibe is not everybody's kind of forcing to do that idea just because you have to, because that's the way the creative environment environment works. But, you know, and, and then the person's going to say, you know what, we don't have a good vibe. So it's not a, it's not working. Okay. Right. Let's, <laughs> let's move on and change the idea. So in Megadeth it was the same. I knew that from my previous experience and uh, yeah. So, you know, when I felt was the time, like, what about this? You know, uh, and also there's some tense moments in a studio because you have you have a time frame, you have to do it. And some yeah. stuff of recording, like guitar, guitar is like laying down the guitars on the tracks. Is That's a hard work. It's like going to the gym and like, you know, <laughs> doing like, like, or, you know, four sets of, you know, 20 reps. Absolutely. You know, because you have to record uh, per song uh, four times the same thing. You know, let's say you record the left uh, guitar, the right side to create the stereo image, and to sound heavy, to sound like a wall of guitars, you might have to record four times oh, wow. the same thing as uh, repeating exactly what you just played. I just That's crush it. Wow. So it's more, it's, it's, it's very uh, boring sometimes. It's just like hard work. It's hard work. This is hard work. It's not creative creativity at all. You yeah. know, when you're composing, yes, but then when you have to lay down the tracks and make it right and perfect, that's hard work. And some, sometimes it's stressful because you have to be still creative because maybe during those moments you can, oh, what about if I change this little mm -hmm. thing here? Mm -hmm. What about you have to, uh, bring the magic on top. That's what you do in music, right? You kind of, you have the drums and then you record the rhythm guitars and then comes the bass and the, to give the foundation, foundation, and then you start adding layers of different guitars and then it's very, it's a creative moment and then maybe some keyboards or some uh, sound design and then the vocals and the backing vocals and then you come back to the solos and then, and then you're creating the magic, you know, the details. Yeah. What about vocals real quick? Are you going to try your hand at singing at any point? Uh, I, I like doing it at home and my demos, but <laughs> I think it's a confidence thing. Well, are you, <laughs> yeah. so then are you writing, are you writing lyrics then? Sometimes, sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. Or if sometimes I, I, my songs, I, I, I sing, I sing the, I sing the melodies. Sometimes a very, you know, as I, I was saying, change the element, you know, maybe you create a melody on the piano, on the guitar, and singing, of course, because that would be the most natural thing because you want people to uh, to sing your song, your melody, even if you're playing the guitar. Yeah. Or if you, you know, an or, you know orchestral music, yeah, you know, classical. It's funny you say that because on, on the way home, literally the other day, I was, I was listening to... Uh, I forget which song from Sounds of Innocence, but I was I was thinking, I wonder what this would sound like with lyrics. And then it hit me. The the one guitar is almost the the lyrics, the the song part of it as I was following on. I'm like, oh, this is where the lyrics would go. Like this is totally you'd, you'd be singing it in this way and it would follow along. So that's very cool. I it, it was kind of an unlock for me. I mean I've I, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
because I, the song when I compose uh, I, the songs I compose I have the like a normal structure of a song with like a verse chorus that's yeah. the way I think and that's what it felt know? like and that's what yeah, I, it, yeah. it kind of I, it started to decipher as I listened to it more like that's that's what was happening which was very cool um, wanted to ask you a quick question just on uh, uh, wrap up the section um, what's your most memorable show man uh, well the first shows in my life for sure uh, the big ones, yeah, the first big ones. I remember um, 94, Monster of Rock was a big festival in Brazil. Kiss, whatever, Suicidal Tendencies and uh, Black Sabbath. And we're kind of the opening band playing the, for 40,000 people. Also, like in my first years playing, uh, opening for ACDC. It was hard because it, when you're an opening band... <laughs> Like you're going to play half hour before a big act right. in a stadium with like 40 or 50,000 people. That was memorable. My first time in Japan, first time in Europe. Um, my first concert with Megadeth, for sure. I read about was that. I read so about challenging, that. <laughs> so challenging. Because the guys, they've, the, you know, like Dave and David, uh, they have, they've been playing those songs for 30 years, right? So for them, it's like, okay, another concert, you know. They just kind of threw you out there, huh? <laughs> yeah, and that's like, <laughs> hey, Kiko, you learned. Here's the email with uh, everybody asking me, oh, do you get the, the, I don't know, the scores? You have the notes, the tablet tours, all the, no, I got <laughs> Good it. Good to go. Email with the name of the song. The that's, what I, that's what I have, you know, Jesus. name of the song. And, you know, do your job, you know, like. Amazing story. Uh, so uh, then I have to, you know, I learned the album, you know, listening to the albums, watching some videos, you know, from, the, from their old concerts, you know, try to see the hands. Okay, that's the way they play. That's the way they play live. It's a bit different from the album, you know, all those stuff. So I was practicing, like, I had like 10 days, 15 days, man, to learn like 20 songs. It's only you know, 80,000 people, right? Yeah, it was like yeah. huge <laughs> festival in Canada, like open air. You know, like the summer festivals, free or whatever. It was Rolling Stones one day, Foo Fighters the other day, and Megadeth. Megadeth is really big there I, I, in, in in Canada. Uh, man, it was it was raining. It was the stage was slippery, and uh, we didn't really rehearse because Perfect. we did rehearse, <laughs> but we had like three days rehearsal. Was more technical issues, you know, equipment and. Did Did you ever uh, at any point think this was all just a big joke on you? Like, how how, how much harder can we make this for Kiko? <sighs> no, actually, uh, I was just <laughs> blindfolded. Like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then uh, no sound check because festivals sometimes you don't sound check. So suddenly I was like in this huge stage, you know. Uh, but the only thing I was thinking the days before is like. How can I practice the concert in different ways so that when I'm on stage, if something happens, my reaction is always to the right thing? Let me explain. Because you have to be so trained that when you react, you react to the right note, to the right chord. Right? Let's say you miss, miss a bit or you forget a small fraction of a song, you forget like that, oh, what's the next chord? You forget. So you kind of, you can jump to the next one. Wow. Because if you don't know the song, you're gonna be lost. So like, oh, is this a verse, is a chorus? Uh, is this gonna repeat the part again? And, uh, 
or maybe your monitoring is not working, you don't hear your guitar, you can get lost, maybe you're not listening, hearing the vocals. So there's a lot of stuff that can happen live that you have to know so well. It's like, you know, like a world, you know, like a, uh, you know, a soccer World Cup final. Uh, yeah. stuff like that, you I'm know, getting like, anxiety thinking about you know, it right now with everything and, you uh, had to achieve and then go out yeah. and play in front of all those people under the brand so new the, brand. Oh, man. Yeah, the thing, you know, you can practice different in different ways, I think. You know, there's a lot of different ways to practice that. Uh, one way would be with the band. One way of practicing, and I think it's re, it re, that's why I, when I like to to watch the Olympic games, kind right. of how how the 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 athlete he kind of he's in his world just before. I mean, basically, when he's a solo, whatever swimmer or runner, you know, like the like this focus moment just before he has to give his best competing with the best of the best so for me it's the same so you can practice with the band which actually didn't happen you know play the concert several times with the band you can play get your guitar and play playing the songs with your backing tracks at home several times i did that but there's a moment that you don't focus anymore so I think uh, that's uh, the mental met, mentalization. I would like kind of men, like a really visualization. imagining, visualization, right? Uh, uh, imagining. So I did maybe two or three times playing the entire show in my head, you know, without wow. the guitars in my hand. How long are their sets usually? It's like 90 minutes. Yeah. So it's that's like take an hour and a half, you know, take a walk and just like, <laughs> or sit down in a chair close your eyes hmm. and like go through the songs. Wow. Imagining playing. So it's very helpful. I believe it's very helpful because, right. you know, uh, so I didn't, I didn't forget any chords. It's not, it's not classical music. So you don't have the <laughs> paper in front <laughs> of you, like at. with all the notes, right? You have to know. It just, yeah. if you, if you gave know. yourself a grade on that first show, what would have been? It was, it was very good. I think, you know, uh, it was very good. Uh, of course, I got better after. I think it was very good because I didn't uh, play any like wrong chords or missed uh, something. So that's why I think it was good. And the only thing could be better was like to be really, uh, you know, the flowing, like really relaxed. So I was not relaxed. I was like, okay, I have to play this right. I was like really focused uh, on everything. I was not interacting a lot with the crowd. So, because uh, I have a thing, so basically, I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but um, the practice routine, the playing, and the yeah. performance. So the performance ends when you really know what you're doing and you, you're open to the, all the external factors that happens in a, in a performance, you know? So you can deliver anything you like. Oh, you can play a solo, kind of having an eye contact with a fan, and you still can play your solo. Right. You know, a difficult thing, or you can play all the difficult riffs and have a conversation with your tech, a kind of a eye contact or kind of sending him some 
something that you need for the next song, right. you know, whatever, you know, or talking to the monitor guy. So the monitor guy is the guy who kind of uh, gives us, give us the volumes of the different instruments in our in-ears monitors. So sometimes maybe the guitar is too loud. Maybe I cannot hear the bass drum, you know, or, or a little bit more vocals or something. And uh, you do sound check for that, but sometimes you need an extra different balance because of the sound of the crowd or something. Uh, so sometimes you're playing the songs and you're communicating to the monitor guy, you know, with signals. You know, you don't want to be like uh, showing to the crowd that you communicate to somebody nope. else. Right. So I have to do like some... Uh, and also to uh, the communication with the crowd and sometimes with the light designer, you know, as well. You know, sometimes you're just like following the, the light because the, the spotlight guy is not like precise or just you, you know. So there's a lot of things going on. That's a lot to and, manage. Wow. And I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of people. You're, yeah. you're working, you're playing with a band, so you yeah. have to interact with your yeah. with the bandmates, right? So like, you know, making your faces and whatever, you know, like play, having this great feeling of being on stage. Uh, and the whole crew that is around you monitor guy, your tech, the light guy, or, you know, the security guy, some, somebody's maybe trying to get on stage, you know, or you see a fight going on and you want to tell the security guy, Hey man, I can see a fight starting there and you're playing and you're doing this. A lot of, a lot of things can happen. Um, maybe you have a cameraman. Are you posing right. for the photographers as well? <laughs> <laughs> right? That's very important. It's so, very important, I would think. Uh, of course. Probably like number first, one next to the sound of the guitar. No, because, you know, it's that, yeah, yeah. The first three songs, you have the, the official photographers. Yeah. You're going to pose a little bit for them. You're going to talk to the <laughs> crowd. You're going to talk to them, you know, body language you know, or eye contact while you're playing all the difficult stuff. Yeah. So one of the things that I always think about when I think about musicians is that, when you guys are up in front of a crowd of 80,000 people or whatever, that are there points in time where you're losing yourself in the music and you're just feeling so amazing? Because right now it sounds like you have so many things in your mind that that would never even happen. <laughs> uh, of course it happens. Because you have 90 minutes and uh, it's, man, it's just, uh, that's the state, that, that's a, people call it the state of the flow, uh, yeah, the state of state. flow or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's everything happening at the same time and you're enjoying because yeah. it's a, it is a unique moment. The tech guy, we're having fun. When I'm, I, I have the eye contact with the tech, it's fun. He's just saying thumbs up or down and right. I just do some kind of a signal to him like, it's all great. You know, and so, you know, every song, every two songs, he, he looks at me with that look and I, I give him that look and say like, it's all fine, I'm having fun. It's all good. You know, if something's wrong, I do another look or point something and he, he knows because he's a professional tech. Right. And any weird stuff they can see as well. And uh, yeah, man, so it's, uh, that's the, that's performance, that's live. That's, that's why it's, un it's a unique moment in time. That's why live is so, still so special. And when I mean live, I mean live performance like the concerts right. but also uh, uh social media social media live that's why you get so much engagement in a live 
event on social media than if you just record a, a video, edited uh, video. I was right? watching practice this weekend with you guys. You see? Yeah. yeah. So because, man, I'm part of this moment. Yeah. And I'm there with them, you know? So uh, it, it is special. So the more you can, in, as, as in marketing or concerts or in anything, as, as much you can bring the performance moment, like the interaction with people through internet or live, that's why the live concert will never die. Let's touch on that a little bit. Let's uh, let's move off of uh, you know Megadeth and, and onto your personal brand. You know, because uh, we want to dig in there a little bit. And uh, one question I have um, after the metal stuff and your solo albums, is there anything other creative outlets you're looking into, like scoring or soundtracks or anything like that? Wow, this wow the sound yeah the soundtrack scoring that would be. Something that I I would love to do one day, of course. You know, that's something I, I think I'll, every musician <laughs> or every composer, I you know, uh, have this uh, dream of being part of uh, of a you know a soundtrack or you know write for a movie or something like that. Uh, I think in my case, I think just because there's no boundaries, you can do whatever you want. You know. Uh, you can use all your music skills and elements, you know, you know, all the scales and everything, all the intervals, everything you know, chords, and use that to help uh, the, the images, you know. The, and uh, there's no boundaries. When you're, when you're in a band, you have uh, a conceptual thing in, kind of inside some kind of a frame you can experiment something, but there's a frame there. You know, you're not gonna play reggae in a, in Megadeth. Or, you know, you're. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that would be or, or, Yeah, I was like, uh, I'm gonna do this bassoon uh, melody. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so when you do a soundtrack, you could. Uh, that's what this the way I see it. Yeah. That'd be that'd be like no, another outlet for some of those yeah, other no, influences. No, yeah, no boundaries to. For the for the instruments you want to use or the anything right or harmonies or yeah, you talked about um, teaching. I think even when you were back in college, making some yeah. extra money that way is that yeah. something that's continued or where does that fit in your life? Yes, totally. So uh, yeah, I've been doing this. Uh, I love teaching. I love uh, you know. Actually, tomorrow we have a, a master class at Musicians Institute. I'm doing there. I did, you know, I I did a lot in Brazil. I still have a, a big follow uh, following in Brazil. I do have some online courses, um, and um, and I I did some stuff. Well, I I traveled the whole world doing master guitar master classes. Sometimes sponsored by the guitar brand that I use, Ibanez, or tomorrow is the Dadario, which is the strings brand. So like sometimes the brands that I use, strings, guitars, amplifiers, pedals, uh, sometimes they they uh, sponsor those kind of uh, events. Uh, also schools or universities, you know, everywhere. Just ask me a country, I'm probably gonna tell you, uh, besides <laughs> Middle East and Africa, yeah, I've probably been. Do you think you do that more than the normal guitarist? You think that's more you're more into teaching than than say the uh, the other 
other bands the and other guitars. superstar amazing guitarists in the world <laughs> right uh, but some guys they do there some some they do some did for a while uh some people some people don't like because i like because i had a formal training so i'm very comfortable to talk about names and explain harmony or whatever you know i'm very comfortable to a certain extent of course but i'm very comfortable and i have very clear some uh practicing routine kind of thing i i i, I have it very clear and very methodic because i was very methodic when i was young so if I just describe that, normally people like. Uh, also, I did here in the San Diego U University talking about music business as well because of the experience uh, in the music industry, in the music business, and uh, marketing and creating ba uh, brand, the brand. I did also some mainly in Brazil. I did here in San Diego and in uh, Sacramento. This year, actually, but in Brazil, I did several uh, events, some like keynote speech kind of events for uh, not for musicians, for corporations or marketing people. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> like talking about yeah, kind of talking about the the point of view of uh, 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 a musician or an artist, uh, mainly to bring that thing of uh, the client and the fan. And I remember I had this insight when I was uh, watching a, 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 a keynote speaker uh, in, a, in a business conference. And the guy was talking about Harley Davidson or some brands that people tattoo the brand in their body, right? And how amazing is that? You know, it's the ultimate, ultimate goal for a brand to have a guy tattooing the brand in their body. And I was, man, I have my band. I have so many people that tattooed. <laughs> Uh, our brand, our logo, or our covers, or even my name, or even my face. Nice. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, I said, like, I could be there on stage talking about, you know, what did I do to have engagement, uh, to have fans. Yeah. It's not clients. Because the fan is like a way, it's, it's different. I mean, oh, so, yeah. I mean, of more course, dedicated. The, they're more, they're more, you know, sort of all in exactly. on your brand, you know? I mean, uh, like the, they have, of course you have like different yeah. levels of yeah. fans, you know, maybe be a fan of a song or maybe yeah. you like the band and then you have the hardcore fans. That's the one that stays outside the stadium in line, like in the four in the morning waiting to, you know, yeah. kind of the, you know, what the, other, what the big corporations, sometimes they try to, to create that feeling. You know, when they're la launching a product, you know, like this, the buzz and the line outside waiting to buy the first whatever product it is, or the iPhone is, a, or uh, but trying to recreate a, a thing, uh, something that uh, happens naturally in the rock bands. Yeah, you yeah. go to any concert, you're gonna see a bunch of guys in the morning. They don't need to be there at 10 a.m. They can come like an hour before. But they are there because yeah. they, because dedication. They want they want to meet the other guy that is also dedicated to the band, and then they're the best. Just, they're just the best. Uh, how to say? Uh, uh, 
yeah, it's like it's the best way. It's the, it's the best thing to have those kind of fans, right? right. Uh, and I think you to, do a you do a, an amazing job. You said with the, that engagement type stuff because you the accessibility that I think you provide to your fan base um, is I think unrivaled. And one of the reasons, uh, you know, I think that you're seeing such high engagement rates because I don't know, and I follow a fair amount of artists that. You're regular, and I know you don't give yourself credit uh, for being as tech savvy as maybe you th- you really are, but you should own that a little bit because I, I think you're doing a great job. And like I said, I could watch you guys practice. It's like you're on there so much. We we're starting to get you know I can probably decipher your schedule a little bit <laughs> to whatever <laughs> level. You know, it's kind of like oh I think Kiko's gonna make it for the interview today because he was just doing this. And- Sean's stalking you, Kiko. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Oh. No, but that's cool. Oh, that's uh, that's uh, our life nowadays, like social media, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's not my generation, to be honest. You know, I I I have to do what I do, and I don't think it's not near what I should be doing. I think you have to be even more. I don't know right? what else you could do, man. I, no, mean, I mean, like I you're mean, killing it. Uh, but uh, uh, for me, it's it's kind of as a it's a relearning thing, you know, it's a process, you know. I remember YouTube back in, I don't know, when, like 2006, 2005, and like, man, I'm going to do videos playing my guitar, and people pay me to play guitar. You know, I have the mindset, you know, if you think, like young people, they don't know, but in the 90s, you're playing, and everything I said about, you know, you're playing and you're talking to the tech and you're talking to the fans, kind of eye contact. In the 90s, you, you were also trying to spot who was filming the concerts to ask the security guy to go there and get the camera. Right. Mm, yeah. Right. So that in the nineties, it was like, man, who's bootlegging our show. So yeah. suddenly, uh, 10 years later or five years later, it's cool to film, you know, and now, right. you know what I mean? So it's a huge different approach. And the more you film, the better. It's crazy. And then, uh, uh it was hard. The transition, I think, for people from my generation uh, and the older is very hard. And I'm, I'm, I try my best to, to adapt. And uh, I had my, my transition time, and now I just love doing it. You know, that's cool, you know. I try to have my time with me, and I show my family sometimes. I show where I'm – but sometimes I just don't – I just don't do it. I just – I'm not the guy all the time depending on – the accept, you know, like the the feedback from people to have to be happy, right? I, you know, well, because you're doing, I think a, that's, you're doing a great job, man. I mean, I that's think the you, dangers of so, social yeah. media when you start doing a lot of this marketing thing to yeah. promote your stuff. Okay, then you need, you know, the five stars. Yeah, and right. and right. I think that's the the big difference from the past is now everything you do, you have a rate, rating, right? Everything. Yeah. Oh, I don't like your shirt. Uh, your, you know, the sound was not so great. You know, you have people saying it's great, people saying it's not great, people, you Feedback. know. And I think uh, for me, for anyone, uh, how to how to interpret, how to accept uh, the comments and the rating, and the and the thumbs down or thumbs up, you know. Uh, yeah. That's very crucial thing for any artist. Not much for the marketing people, 
because they're like, they're doing their job, but not putting the faces. But who is putting their faces and a guy just come and say, a hater come and comment something nasty. Uh, when you just put out, you know, after like your, you know, year, two years of dedication or your yeah. most pure, intimate moment of composition and you make a song and you put out and then somebody say, oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so how to react to that? Yeah. You it's know? funny. I think creative people have um, both the most experience with that, but also the most care because, you know, regular people are rated on what shirt they're wearing too nowadays. But um, when you're somebody who's worked on it for as much as you have, you get used to putting it out there and people applaud or they don't. But um, yeah. it's still, it's crazy how much people can say these days. And uh, it's a human being thing that just to look to the negative side. That's yeah. the way we are wired. Uh, it's like 100 likes and one dislike. You'll read the dislike and say, like, yep. why this guy didn't, you know? And even, like, the comments from the people that like, they say, like, why this video has five dislikes? Who are those people, you know? <laughs> like, right. why? This? Even see sometimes you watch a great interview, a great, you know, can be, like, whatever, you know, like, a great speech, you know, and then a dislike. Why? So, like, you know, yeah, so. Bizarre. And how to read that. So, I have my, I have my thing, the way I read those comments, so I don't get affected. Yeah, and compartmentalize I think, them a little bit. Yeah, because you have, uh, it's like you have to kind of cut the edges. You know, the the guy that thinks you're God, you kind of don't take it serious, you know, because, you know, you're not God. You're, you know, the, the the guy that thinks that you're best ever in this world right, and, right. you know, like, okay, thank you. I appreciate that, but... I know my, my, uh, I know I'm just a human being. Uh, and then also like the, the bottom or like the hater, you know, so the dislikes I, th I see as a, a th uh, three different things. You have the hater and normally the hater, he, he's hating himself and that's the way he, he's kind of writing against people. Uh, so I kind of, I easily ignore It's very, normally it's easy. Uh, to to spot the the hater, and then you have the 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 bad the comment, a negative comment that can come from a guy that doesn't like what you do, which is fine. I think oh thank you, yeah you don't like what I do yeah you know uh, thank you just go and listen to what you what you like because right. you're right I don't do this kind of thing you know like so that's the way I think because okay thank you. It means that I'm I am in the right path. Because you know, if somebody doesn't like what I'm doing, uh, okay, I probably I am I'm finding my niche, right? So that's fine. The big the diff the most difficult one is when somebody's your fan is from your niche, likes your your work, but say something about that specific hmm. concert or song or performance, Kiko. I like you, I love you, you're great, but what you just said is really bad. Or mm. that night was horrible. And that affects you, but that's important because also brings you to practice more or to rethink what you're saying or because that's the people you want to uh, please, you want to interact, right. that's your fans. I still want to hear some of those about myself, but maybe someday. <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, hey, um, we're going to move into uh, the meat of this show. I mean, this has been great so far, but the the brand is or the podcast is called Creative How, right? Um, and what the promise we try to deliver on is um, we try to give our audience uh, the first three to four things that if they're thinking of becoming this person or, or pursuing this career, the three to four things they need to do tomorrow or when they turn off this podcast tonight or in the morning, they roll out of bed. What are they doing that next day to put themselves on track to becoming a metal guitarist or just a guitarist? And in your opinion, what are those three things? Well, I would say, yeah. Well, I would say here some basic stuff probably, but maybe for, for some people it's not basic. Uh, first is like you have to practice and master your skill, right? So, which is different than playing guitar. So let's say, or even a, any kind of creator, you have the, you have to master your skill if you're drawing or if you're uh, playing an instrument or uh, any uh, playing sports or something. The technical part, because if you have the technical part develop, uh, developed or the technical part can be something more, uh, um, um, uh, you know, the, your fingers or your, you know, whatever, you like more a technical part like this or can be knowing the scales or learning all the aspects of harmonies or whatever. This is practicing and learning and uh, researching, right? So the more you do, the more confidence you're going to be. Uh, more confident you're gonna be, uh, the more confident you you are, the the chances to be creative and let it flow is way better, right? Because you're putting you have the skills, and now you have just to find that spot that you find your flow, and then you cannot. The practicing moment is when you criticize what you're doing, and the playing moment. The, the flow moment is when you cannot at all criticize what you're doing. You might just, uh, you know, uh, record what you're doing, you know, just let it flow, just do it. You have a little bit of skills because you've, you have your time practicing your skills, but then let it flow, just play. In case of the musician, you can compose, but don't, stop right there, oh, this is bad, or I don't like it. Just record everything, just do it. So that's the playing moment, the flow moment. If you are creative, you're gonna write a blog, same thing, you know, master your skills of writer, you know, whatever it is, but it has, you have to have a moment that you close your eyes and start typing any image that you see and just go for it and do this consistently to always try to find that spot that you're in the flow moment and then later another day you just read what you what you did or listen what you recorded it's like okay from this hundred ideas i like two that's fine that's pretty good actually if i like two percent is good you know that's the flow thing uh i i have the performance and then we talk we talked about the combination so the more information you have the better and information can be uh, different styles of music, or just you know go to watch a movie, and then maybe the if you you might don't notice, but the music of that a movie is gonna be in your head, and you know when they when you grab your instrument, you're gonna play suddenly a melody close to that melody from the movie is gonna just uh, 
appear. You know, uh, uh, the same for any arts. You can combine artists. You can combine elements. Uh, the more you combine, uh, the more creative you're gonna be. Also, I like to be like uh, try always to go back to your. I uh, was talking about innocence. Something that I like is like to play. Try to play the stuff that you used to like when you were teen teenager or young or something. You know, I like to to bring back those good feelings of discovering how how you learned the first song. You know, if I put, I mean, if I put a Led Zeppelin and play with it, it's like so inspiring for me. You know, awesome. Because that's the way I kind of I when I start learning to play guitar. I wish I would be able to play any Led Zeppelin song, and that, and I can just listen. Actually, I prefer not playing because I still have this thing that is so magic that I probably not able to play. You know, I know I, you know, it's like we did a tour with the Scorpions and I, the Rock in Rio in '85 Scorpions. I was a kid and and I, I was just watching those guys playing and it's like, man, I I know how to play it, but I just don't. I just even don't want to look. Because if I look, I know how to do it. And I just don't want to know how to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I yeah. want to have this. So the more you the more you get into this flow thing and the com combine elements, uh, the better. One other thing for the create the creative people, which not creative, but you have to be it has to be part of your your daily routine somehow, is the business aspect of your art. Because if you don't have it, you're, you cannot finance your art. You, can't, you, have to have your, you have to be your own mecenas. You have to be, you know, you have to understand the business side to put out your music or your art. If you don't understand, you're going to be very frustrated because you're going to see somebody else doing. It's like you go to a concert, you see somebody on stage, and you think, man, I could be there. I'm able to play that. And then you're going to say, well, I'm not there on stage, so I go back home. I'm going to practice more. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be way better than the guy on stage. But, but you will never be there on stage. Because so that's a good you didn't, point. Yeah, very, you, not that glamorous, right? But, but definitely a way to kind of solidify the other end of the spectrum, right? It's not all the art, but in order to be fulfilled, to do this as a living or as a career, you got to bone up on that. That yeah, part so of it. Out, out of finance, the whole thing. It, yeah. it, even if it's not for a living, but I mean, if you have another job and have your money, you just want to buy a guitar to play with friends, that's fine. But other than that, you know, if you want to somehow finance your art or be an artist, a creator, and, uh, um, you know, somebody paying for you, that's, I think that's. That's what people want. Like somebody goes and buy your stuff because they love it, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and if you wanna or if you wanna go be on stage, if you are if you are on stage, it's because somebody bought a ticket. It's not like buy a product, like an actual physical product. Can be on stage, buy a ticket to see to watch your playing. That's what a musician wants. So you have to learn how to get into the back door, to the backstage, to go on stage. So and. This is not how great, only how great you are. It's understanding the industry, the network, and uh, the music business side of it. So that's, uh, um, 
that's I always say is a A plus B equals C. So art plus business equals a career. So hmm. you have to have the the like the, the art and the business side if you want to have a career. Otherwise, it's gonna be then you're gonna master your art all the time, and you're gonna be so much better than the guy on stage. That's awesome. That you're gonna be even more frustrated, you know. Yeah. And yeah. then you have to find a, a you know a, why this guy is there playing, why this uh, this painter is having you know <laughs> having all this uh, showing or selling or like this writer is selling all those books, and I'm I'm a gr- much better artist, uh, writer, and I don't have any book. Yep, oh, right. guess what? You don't know the business to get a book out. Right. You know, uh, it's, it's it's very simple, but it's very important because really I is. think because the artist, the creator, sometimes they get afraid of the the business side. And yeah, the same no goes uh, if you tra- if you uh, if you instead of art, you put a put a product or an, an idea. Let's yeah. say you you create an amazing product or an, um, you have an amazing idea. If you don't know the business side, network, the marketing, all, the, all that, you're not going to have a company. Yeah, A lot of artists, you know, they want to they pretend like it's all that purity and they don't want to maybe admit to themselves that they do need to get some of the business chops to be successful. We've definitely exactly, heard yeah. that from some other people too. It's it's a, a huge, huge point that artists aren't, you're right, they're afraid of it and they're not comfortable with it, but without it, they're classic starving artists. It's a good hobby. Yeah, because if you, you can get like the best, just watch movies or biographies of the greatest of any style. You're going to see they have, they're pretty sharp on the business side, mm-hmm. you know? I yeah. know some people, they're pretty sharp. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean they're doing everything. They probably have a manager, so, but they sit on the same table with the manager and then have the same level of conversation. Right. You know, knowing everything what's going on, you know. So, or just think about Frank Zappa, how clever, you know, you want to go to the top guys. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, the pop artists, the big names. Just go like Frank Zappa, how clever he was with the copyrights right. and owning all the masters and having his own studios and you know he was doing like uh, you know uh, sophisticated music you know he was not selling out you know you go right. to Miles Davis you can go to Harry Hancock or any jazz master and see how they develop their career in a very intelligent way uh, creative way and also another thing is how to use your, if you're a creative person, use it for your business, for your marketing. If you're creative, all right. So write me a good headline. All right. <laughs> you know, if you're good, if you're good, uh, you know, writer, okay, give me a good copy or give me a good headline, you know, use yeah. for your own stuff, you know. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Kiko, that is awesome we had probably six or seven things there and we only asked for three or four so that's going to be helpful to the audience but for for you what's next what's next on your horizon next uh well actually in a few days i'm I'm meeting dave mustaine and we're starting to compose a new album so i'm flying to nashville um he lives there in uh, nashville so i'm flying to nashville uh spend a week there to get this the flowing (laughs) the creativity you know yeah, yeah. So are it's going to be awesome. Are you bringing some ideas to the table for this one? 
Yeah, I do have riffs and ideas. Yeah, for sure. That's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Really cool. It well, is. Hey, man, it is. Really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, uh, it was an honor to talk to you. Um, I did. I, I did want to touch on one thing. I know uh, you have a family, and and we're both dads, and and we just want to kind of know how do you balance the time, man? And and <laughs> that's a two part question. How much Frozen or Greatest Showman are you listening to? In Frozen, your household. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Frozen, big hit, yeah. But can <laughs> you tell me, man, I, I'm still trying to discover the best way to do that. Uh, it's very hard. It's uh, what we do. We trade tips, and I don't think either yeah, one yeah. of us has totally solved it. I, because have, I have one, though. If you need some, some personal time and some balance, just tell your wife you're starting a podcast. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, tell her you're you're talking to a, a famous guitarist, right? Right. Because then that that is a and you can get some out. That's a hall pass. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. That doesn't work here. So <laughs> no, no. My my wife's cool, but I have three kids, so that's that's really challenging. And Absolutely. So I have a seven years old girl, and uh, actually in two days, um, our terrible tools choose. You know, we have a oh man. Um, the twins, a couple, Stella and Dante. It's pretty hard, man. But it, it you know, if you always find your way, you always find a ways to manage. I think for me, the hardest part is like because I play some technical stuff and, and I have to practice. Otherwise, I'm not able. It's not. It's more like a sport. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I do need to have time. To prepare, you know, for the shows, for the clinics, you know, for the master classes, that's hard. Uh, so sometimes I show up for a master class or something. So I'm not, I don't feel that that I'm hundred percent, you know. And different than the athletes, you know, then when they are thirty-seven or thirty-eight or forty, they retire, <laughs> right. you know. And the musicians, you know, they don't retire. Nope. And uh, and that's the hard part. Uh, for creators in general, because we don't retire, and uh, and then suddenly we're competing or in the same with uh, playing with uh, our heroes, yeah. because it's like it's like stacking, you know. You have like Paul McCartney and Mick Jagger; they're still doing concerts, right? right. So they don't retire, and then it comes like let's say a seventies like YouTube, still do, and then you have. Let's uh, think about the big pop bands like Beatles and U2 and then uh, Coldplay and then Muse. They're all doing uh, in, in the same marketplace, you know? Yep. It, it, different than uh, the athletes that, okay, that guy retired and he can be like a, a coach or mentor to the new one or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, so no slowing music. down. No slowing down here in the future for you. Yeah. So like in January, <laughs> I'm doing, uh, that was going to be great. Like one of the, my guitar heroes are Joe Satri is uh, Joe Satriani. And uh, I'm doing a, a guitar camp with him oh, in, cool. Palm, in Palm Springs, which is super cool, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be a new Sean from Journey. That I grew up listening to and uh, Satriani, and I was there, I'm gonna be there too. So it's it's cool. that's fun. That's that's the the beauty of this thing that okay nobody retires. So that gives the 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 possibility of playing with your heroes. Yeah, right? that's cool. awesome. Like, yeah, that's cool, right? Well, hey man, I think uh, you're 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 probably a hero to a lot of people out there. 
Um, so Thanks, we want to we want to give you the platform as much as we can here to help you build your brand. So can you tell everybody, you know, um, how they can follow you or you know give us your web addresses and your handles uh, real quick? All right. So Kiko K I K O, and uh, my last name, which is I know is quite uh, difficult, is L O U R E I R O, L O U R E I R O dot com. Or you can, you know, same Kiko Loredo, uh, Instagram or um, Twitter, you know, uh, YouTube. I'm always trying to do like my once a, once a week video on YouTube and Instagram posting some stuff, some new stories and nice. just go there and follow me. Yeah. Yeah. Folks, go follow him. He doesn't disappoint. He gives you a lot of access, like we were saying, um, one of the best at doing so. Um, and man, it was an honor. Thank you very much. Yeah, this was my amazing. pleasure, man. Thanks right. for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks. Wow, Jed, that was a pretty inspiring episode. Yeah, I mean, what this podcast is all about is giving people the information and insights they need to help them become what they aspire to be. And we could have fanboyed out the whole the whole episode for an hour and a half talking about all the famous people Kiko has played with and venues and um, crowds and all that stuff, but uh, we'll save that for another episode. I kind of feel like you're going to get a little bit of what you need to become a guitar hero, but um, the big point that he makes is you got to double down on the knowledge and you got to practice. Absolutely. And um, you can check out all that information in the show notes, uh, creativehowpodcast.com. And please don't forget to follow us on social at creativehowpod on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, Jed, did you hear our kick-ass intro music? Shockingly, that's out of our technical wheelhouse here at Creative How. That type of sick sound design is a White Noise Lab original. White Noise Lab is a music composition and sound design studio that works with agencies, production companies, and brands on projects for film, broadcasts, interactive websites, corporate videos, video games, and experimental projects. The chances that that movie trailer you just saw on you know, YouTube that's probably a White Noise Lab original more often than not. So whether you're looking to fulfill your sound design needs or simply need someone to collaborate with on an experimental project or maybe an experimental podcast, check out whitenoiselab.com. That's whitenoiselab.com.